Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe that another week has passed. It is great to be back with you, and we are on our trek from Pesach to Shavuos. We are reaching that auspicious moment of Lagba Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. And Lagba Omer is not a chag that you're going to find in the Torah or the Talmud. It's a date that, according to the Kabbalists, marks the yard site or the anniversary of the death of Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai, one of the five great disciples of Rebbe Akiva. It also marks the day that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai revealed the Zohar, that great light of Kabbalistic wisdom onto the world. Now these days, Lag Bomer is a day of great celebration throughout Israel and the world, and hopefully you can experience a bonfire with some singing to celebrate. But what's this day really all about? It's great that Bar Yochai revealed the Zohar, but that's an esoteric work. What do regular Jews like us have to gain from this date? Lag Baomer is a minor festival at the very most, but it's also a time that points to our own inner potential. To connect to that, we need to understand the life and the legacy of Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai. In today's Torah Journey podcast, we're going to explore the meaning of Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai's life. And as we do so, we'll discover how all of us are intrinsically connected to that light. Plus, for more on the Omer, check out our, our recent Torah Journey podcast episode, How to Become Your Best Self in the Omer. Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai. The more we delve into his personality, the more we realize how distant he is from our world. In fact, we might wonder if we have any connection to him at all. Bar Yochai lived in the second century in the aftermath of the second temple destruction when the Romans ruled over Israel. And that's where our story begins. The Talmud relates an event where Rebbe Yehuda, Rebbe Yossi, and Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai were sitting together. Rabbi Yehuda remarked, How admirable are the deeds of this nation, the Romans. They've built marketplaces, they've established bridges, and they've established bathhouses. Rabbi Shimon heard these remarks about Rome and was not impressed. Everything that they have established, he said, they've only established to serve their own needs. They've established marketplaces to house their harlots. They've established bathhouses to beautify their bodies. And they've established bridges to collect tolls and taxes. This was a damning statement, and someone by the name of Yehuda ben Gerim overheard the comment, and he shared it with his associates. And eventually it got back to the authorities that Shimon Bar Yochai, a great rabbinic leader, was speaking against the Roman authority. And this led to a decree from the Caesar, that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai must be executed. Eventually, he, together with his son, Rabbi Lazar, wound up in hiding in a remote cave. And the Talmud reports, Israchish Nisa, Ivri Luhu Charuva Ve'ena Demaya. A miracle occurred in a carob tree, and a spring of water were created for them. All day long, they were immersed in the study of Torah, surviving on miracles. After 12 long years, Eliyahu the prophet came along and stood at the entrance of the cave. He said aloud, Who will inform 
Bar Yochai, that the Caesar has died, and that the decree is no longer in effect. Upon hearing this welcome news, the two men emerged from their cave. However, there was a problem. The two men were so immersed in the pure spirit of Torah, they could not tolerate this mundane world. As they saw people occupied in livelihood, people plowing and sowing, they declared, These people are forsaking the pursuit of eternal life and occupying themselves with temporal life. They had become so immersed in unadulterated spirituality, they couldn't reckon with mundane life. Their view on the world had a damaging impact. Every place they looked, the Talmud records, would be incinerated. In other words, their negative view of the world revealed something negative in the world, and that led to destruction. The two men were sent back to the cave for one more year, the exact length of time that sinners go to Gehenna purgatory. When they finally emerged for a second time, Rabbi Shimon assured his son that even if most people are immersed in their livelihood in the material world, between you and me, my son, the world has enough people who are totally devoted to Torah. Soon they came across a scene that settled their minds and brought them a great measure of comfort. What was that scene? We're going to find out soon, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, what does our story reveal to us so far? Clearly, Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai was deeply immersed in the Torah. In his purest view, he looked for the ideal state of the world. He could not swallow the idea that the Romans were good when their efforts were so self-serving. And after 12 years of miracles, he could not tolerate anything but pure Torah. But what's the point of all this? Is the Talmud praising Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai or criticizing him? On the one hand, miracles took place for him. On the other hand, he had a damaging impact at least sometimes. And so as we grapple with his life, we come to an inescapable conclusion. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is both a healing and a potentially damaging force. He represents the power of a great light, but that light, if misused, could bring destruction. Critically, he is not called upon to abandon his path, but only to reorient himself to the world and see it in a different light. And that's what we find happens the second time that he emerges from the cave. The Talmud remarks that upon leaving the cave permanently, the two men were walking on a Friday afternoon. They beheld an elder Jew carrying two bundles of myrtle running. They said to him, these bundles of murder, of myrtle, why do you need them? He answered them, L'chod Shabbos, they're in honor of the Sabbath. But he could have sufficed with just one bundle, they asked. Chad keneged Zachor, v'chad keneged Shamor. One is for Zachor remembering the Sabbath, and one is for Shamor guarding the Sabbath. The two Shabbat-related commands in the Ten Commandments. The scene always reminds me of a Friday afternoon in Jerusalem, seeing people run with flowers in the streets, rushing to get somewhere for Shabbos. Anyway, upon hearing the man's answer, Rabbi Shimon remarked, look at how cherished the mitzvot are to the Jewish people. Each nuance of the Torah they celebrate separately. When they had emerged from the cave the first time, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Elazar could not digest how people could be absorbed in anything but the pure light of Torah. 
now they perceive that even simple people are connected to that light. That mundane act of collecting myrtles in honor of the Sabbath was a deep revelation of the holiness of this world. And so here they reached a new pinnacle. The world needs Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai to reveal that great light. But he too, in the end, acknowledges that the simple Jew is deeply connected to revealing that light as well. Indeed, there are multiple paths of the Torah, and Bar Yochai represents one of those paths. His path is of vital importance to all of us. He's one of the most quoted rabbis in the entire Mishnah, and he transmitted the Kabbalah, the great light of Kabbalah to us. The Talmud in Brachos 35b records a debate between Rabbi Yishmael and our very own Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Yishmael, for his part, points to a verse in Yehoshua, the book of Joshua, which states, Lo yamush sefer Torah This book of the Torah shall not depart from your mouth. Rabbi Shmuel comments, It would be possible to think that these words are meant to be taken literally. That's why it says in the Shema, V'yasafta digenecha, And you shall gather your crop, you shall earn a livelihood. So learn Torah, but also earn a livelihood. As Rabbi Shmuel explains, Hanheg behen minhag derech eretz. Conduct a life with Torah study together with livelihood. As you might have guessed, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai had a different view. According to him, there's no way that a person can plow, sow, harvest, thresh, winnow, and still adequately learn Torah. Rather, he says, we take the verse in Yehoshua, the book of Joshua, literally. The words of Torah can never leave your mouth. But there's a caveat. Learn Torah day and night, but make sure that you do God's will. If you do so, Hashem will see to it that your needs are taken care of by others. He points to a verse in Isaiah 61, which states that when the Jewish people do God's will, our needs will be taken care of by others. Immerse yourself totally in Torah and do God's will, and God will take care of the rest. This seems hard to relate to, but even in our times, we can see miracles. Take it from me in my own life. Such a miracle occurred for me when I moved to Houston in 2003 to learn and teach Torah in the Houston Kolo. After spending every last dime on our move from Israel, I discovered we'd need to replace the gutters of our house. I had no resources to make this happen. I reached out to contractors and started getting quotes. One person wanted to charge $7,000 for the job. And then some people wanted $1,200 or $1,000. And finally, I got a quote for $800. The only problem was, I did not know how I would come up with $800. But I made the agreement. And the very next day, I opened the mailbox. And therein was an envelope with an unexpected check for exactly $800. It was money I didn't even realize was owed to me. I looked up at that moment standing at my mailbox and thought, even in Houston, so far from Yerushalayim, Hashem is with me. That was one miracle. But Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai lived with constant miracles. The problem is most people cannot do that. In fact, the Talmud records that many people tried to follow the path of Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai and they did not succeed. On the other hand, many tried to do like Rebbe Ishmael, combining Torah and livelihood and they did succeed. So practically, 
most people should follow this opinion that combines Torah study and livelihood. But make no mistake about it, the Talmud is not saying that no one can do the total Torah approach. It's just a path that's reserved for unique individuals like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And Bar Yochai's path does live on. The Rambam in his Mishnah Torah writes that any person can choose to cast off the yoke of livelihood and occupy themselves completely in Torah. There was a person named Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and he and his path was committed to total Torah. Even though the vast majority don't live like Bar Yochai, we are his beneficiary. Would that great light of the Zohar have been revealed had he not been the person he was? Certainly not. And so here's the first thing we need to glean from his life. There are people who tread a unique path, be it Moses who went to Harsinai for 40 days and 40 nights, or Elijah, Eliyahu, who survived in famine through miracles, or someone like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, or a great sage of our generation. These unique individuals are a key part of Am Yisrael, the Jewish people. I've mentioned my revered Rabbi, Rav Moshe Torsky. I cannot do justice to explain how totally immersed he was in the Torah. He was learning day and night. It was a joy for him. It's said that when he was at YU, he learned late into the night, and he would shoot hoops just to wake himself up so he could continue learning. When he spoke with him, the joy he had in words of Torah was so palpable, you could get a taste of his deep Simchan learning. On the last night of his life, before he was murdered in the Harnof Massacre, he learned late into the night. There are sages like Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai, even in our times, and these are people that reveal the great light of Torah. Even as we conduct ourselves on a more practical path, we look to these people in their light. And so on one level, the legacy of Bar Yochai is that great light. But there's another part of his legacy as well. We could not, he could not leave the cave until he came to terms with the holiness of the average Jew. Remember that pinnacle of his life. He had just realized that he and his son and their Torah are sufficient for the world. And then he beholds the elder Jew carrying the myrtles, running in honor of the Sabbath. That Jew saw the intrinsic holiness in the world. And Rebbe Shimon also understood that the holiness was within him. The simple elder was, after all, the fulfillment of that great light. And when you think about it, my friends, you and I are that simple Jew. We are the people that help to reveal the great light of Torah in this world through our own connection to mitzvot. It might be as simple as getting those beautiful flowers for Shabbos or as profound as setting time aside to learn in our workday. We are the people who reveal the holiness that is latent in this world. So this Lag Ba'omer, remember the great light of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and remember the simple Jew running to honor the Shabbos on a Friday afternoon. After all, we are the simple Jew. If you've enjoyed this and you think that others would benefit from this podcast, make sure to share it with your friends. We'll be back next week and we'll talk about Yom Yerushalayim, so stay tuned. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin and this is 
is the Torah Journey Podcast.